Hello and welcome to the monthly Megabyte CEO Barometer. For those of you who don't know Megabyte, we're a technology research firm and we track the corporate activity, financial performance and strategic positioning of the UK's leading software, ICT services and digital services firms. The idea of this show every month is that I look at all of the extensive written research that we provide at Megabyte as well as all of the proprietary data that the team gathers and look at the key themes and trends within that data and try and extrapolate that and help you to understand what that means for the outlook. It's been a very busy, uh, very busy month again for the research team at Megabyte and the, the guys have tracked over 100 uh, results, trading updates, uh, corporate transactions, etc. over the last month and in understanding what's happened with those transactions and those results, um, as ever we talk to the CEOs and other senior directors in the companies that we track and just in the last month, the guys have spoken to Access Group, Invesha, Maintel, Zoom with two Zs, uh, and Digital, Exclaimer, Emis, uh, Trustpilot, Stone Group, CDL, City Fiber, Learning Pool, Instem, Clarinet, Linworks after its uh, carve out, Akila Hayward, and many others besides. And the guys produce analysis of the deals and results and data alongside those. Um, of all of which, of course, is available to our now some 230 subscribers across uh, corporates, boardrooms within the technology sector and the private equity and advisory community. If you think the kind of research that we provide may be of useful to you, use to you, then please uh, do uh, get in touch with us. The best thing to do is go to our website at megabyte.com and hit the request a demo button and our customer team will be very happy to tell you a little bit more. So over the next 20 minutes or so, my job is to uh, run through, as I said, the key themes and trends in the data and research uh, we produce at Megabyte with a particular focus on corporate activity and valuations. And I'll look at, uh, look at that across four categories, capital markets, uh, private equity, venture and growth capital, and mergers and acquisitions in that order. And uh, before I dive into any of that, just a quick look at the, the key themes and trends and the key takeaways from, uh, from this month's uh, review. After a very strong period for share prices over the summer that those of you who tuned in to last month's show will have, will have heard and seen, uh, September was a much trickier month, uh, month, not just for the tech sector, but for capital markets more generally. And share prices were down uh, across the board, really, uh, both on both sides of the Atlantic. And the, 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 uh, the, the problem and the key theme has been uh, ri rising fears once again of inflation. This is something I've talked about extensively on the show over the last couple of, uh, over the last year. And this idea that uh, if inflation is more permanent than the central banks are currently suggesting it is, that will potentially have an impact on interest rates that will go up. Uh, greater return on, on, uh, on, on bonds, etc., generally uh, increases uh, the, the uh, decreases the appetite for risk in the equity markets, and that we think may have a disproportionate impact on tech sector valuations, which are getting very frothy in parts of the market, which I will tell you more about in a minute. So, um, so that's been the sh that's been the, uh, the the sort of the the view on share prices. I'll talk about the detail of that in the next section. However, very strong month again for deal flow, and we're seeing pretty stable, uh, 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 pretty stable volume deal volumes month to month now. Um, but still, some year-on-year -year increases due to the uh, due to the, uh, the the COVID impacting volumes in certain areas this time last year. So we saw 98 deals uh, on our database during September, up from 74, so around about a third of uh, increase um, over the the previous year. And uh, within that, we saw. Um, 
particular strength in the M&A volumes, which were particularly badly impacted by COVID last year. So we registered 50 M&A transactions, up from 33 um, in the year ago month in September last year. Strength in private equity, although the number of those transactions is always lower, 11 transactions against seven last year. So very solid there. Venture and growth capital deal volumes fairly stable in that 30, mid 30s range that we see most months, 35 in September this year, um, up from 32 last year, and a, and a good handful of, a small handful of, of capital markets deals, but some interesting ones that I'll talk you through. What, what are the kind of key takeaways within that? Um, within M&A, uh, we saw a, a, a fewer of the very big software deals that I talked about last month. Um, so so m more normal, I would say, within, uh, within M&A, um, but some interesting deals that I'll, I'll, I'll talk through. Um, again, this trend in venture and growth capital of a substantial increase in the average value of fundraising and some really quite bonkers valuations going on, which I will talk to you about. And we're really seeing now, we think, a megabyte and overheating in that part of the market, uh, which is potentially concerning uh, over, the, over the medium term. Um, Nothing particularly to report home about in valuations, private equity run rate, I would describe that as after some interesting uh, increases last in the last couple of months. Um, and on the, on the capital markets, as I mentioned, overall very soggy for share prices or quite soggy for share prices, but some interesting uh, transactions and particularly made tech, uh, some very interesting valuation and deal stats around that that I'll talk you through that I think are potentially worrying actually. Um, so uh, that's a quick, uh, quick look through the highlights for this month. In the next section, I'll talk in more detail about what's happening in or what did happen during September in the capital markets. So moving on to look at what's been happening in a little bit more detail in the capital markets during September. As I mentioned at the top of the show, tricky month for share prices. The megabyte universe of around 100 UK listed tech stocks was down 3.3% in, uh, in September. And uh, within that, the software and ICT services indices that we track within that were both, were both also down a similar amount. That meant that software valuations on average were down by, uh, actually both sets of valuations were down by roughly one turn. Software to 22.8, ICT services to 15.8, and the overall universe back below 20, uh, but only just at 19.7 times. So a little bit of a, a, a soggy month, nothing particularly dramatic. For reference, as I mentioned earlier, the, the markets across the board were, were weak and the FTSE 250 was down 4.4% in September, so broadly in line with the tech sector, or the tech sector was broadly in line with the wider market. And on, in the US, the NASDAQ was down, uh, the tech-heavy NASDAQ was down 5% uh, during September. Again, taking the valuations there, on average, uh, current year EV EBITDA down to 18.4, roughly down one turn on the month. Um, and the, the best of venture partners, NASDAQ Cloud Index, which we track, which looks at the, the kind of very highly valued, kind of high growth SaaS stocks in the US, uh, that also was down 5% and took, the, uh, took the, the valuation down there from 23 times to 21 times revenue, don't forget, for those guys, different dynamic altogether. In terms of deal flow, um, pretty solid, uh, three deals overall, two follow-on public offerings, one IPO, and um, uh, uh, that was up from two deals, one of each in September last year. Um, looking at the follow-on public offerings first, uh, the most significant was Cake Technologies. Um, this is in the uh, VPN space, raised 267 million sterling as a follow-on public offering to part fund the acquisition of ExpressVPN, uh, which is again part of this trend of UK capital markets uh, listed businesses, UK listed businesses, using their uh, paper to, to fund M&A, particularly in the US. So I'll talk a bit more about that deal when I cover M&A um, transactions later on in the show. And then the other two transactions are really um, a very interesting kind of juxtaposition of some of the negatives 
only a few, thankfully, but some of the negatives that have impacted tech companies uh, following COVID and some more positives. Starting with the negatives, we look at LoopUp. Uh, this is a, uh, many of you will know and probably used to use, as we used to use, a video calling, um, video calling, uh, video conferencing uh, company that was doing very well up to COVID, uh, but has been frankly decimated by the rise of Zoom and Teams, etc. And uh, its share price has dropped nearly 90% in the last 12 months, and the results were um, pretty shocking. It did uh, raise nine million. It's reinventing itself as a broader sort of telco services company around collaboration. Raised nine million in a follow-on public, follow public offering to part fund uh, a small acquisition it was doing in the states as part of that restructuring. But just a great, great's probably the wrong word on the basis it really has decimated shell the value at LoopUp. Not really a lot the management team could have done there, frankly. Um, but it is one of those one of those rare examples, thankfully, uh, where ch the rapid changes that have happened in the market over the last uh, 12 months have really caused uh, some impact, some substantial impact on on some companies, whereas they've been a benefit to most clearly, which is good. And talking about talking about the benefits, moving on to talk about uh, Maytech, which is the IPO that we the only IPO that we listed on the database during September. Um, this is a, uh, a digital services company, probably similar to Panoply, that has been a very successful, uh, very successful listed company for the last couple of years. Very acquisitive. Share price has done extremely well. Maytech has been uh, actually only founded a few years ago, um, so it's not been around very long, and only generated revenues, I think, of 13 million in the last financial year that that, that was available. But has listed on the stock market at eight, 180 times, 180 million market cap. A bit lower than that on the EV because it's got it raised some some fr some fresh capital. But it's still a double-digit trailing sales multiple. Now it's growing very rapidly, and we understand that it's expecting or hoping to double its revenues and double again over the next couple of years. So that will be what the IPO was was funded from or was 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 based on, which is understandable in some senses. But you know, a double-digit sales multiple for a business with albeit very fast-growing revenues, but no intellectual property um, and very little in the way of recurring revenues is really quite a thing. To put that into context for you, Panoply's trading on full-time sales. Kanos, which is probably the, the kind of the leading company, much more substantial and arguably higher quality earnings stream than, than both Panoply and, uh, and uh, Maytech, trading on nine times, sales, nine times sales, which in itself is a bit bonkers, frankly. Um, but actually, it's not the valuation with Maytech that really caught my eye. It was more the structure of the deal. Um, the, the company raised 85 million from, uh, from its IPO. 70 million of that went to existing shareholders. Now, for those of you familiar with the capital markets, it's very unusual for, the, for a for founding, shareholder to sell down, founding shareholder to sell down so much on an IPO. And I find that quite concerning, to be honest with you, that shareholders, based on the fact that there's a huge amount of hope value in the, in the company that it's going to generate huge growth over the next couple of years, it's very different from growth, very different from growing from 6 million to 13 million, million revenue than growing from 13 or 15 to 30 to 60 is a very different um, different cattle of fish indeed. So there's a lot of very high expectations on the company and yet they were able to sell down a huge amount and make personal fortunes. And that feels top of the market stuff to me. Um, nevertheless, the shares have done very well. They're up at 136 trading today relative to an IPO price of 122. So a good start on the market from, from Maytech. And of course, despite what I say, we wish them the very best of luck. What do we do just to wrap up on capital markets? What does that mean for the outlook? Um, you know, the, 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 a couple of um, away from the billion pound digital kind of trust pilot type IPOs, Maytech and, and, uh, and, um, and Microlize in the, in the telematics space, which listed a couple of months ago, 
both very high valuations. The structure of the deal will, uh, of the Maytech deal, will likely pull in some other entrepreneurs thinking, yes, I want some of that. So that is going to, I think, suck in as long as the markets will take it, um, um, more IPOs of that nature over the, over the coming months. On the, 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 on the flip side, which I'll talk about when we talk about private equity, is the, the Blue Prism uh, potential take private crystallise or looks like it's going to crystallise with Vista Equity Partners. So a really, what was a real darling of the market being taken private, which is disappointing, obviously, coming on the back of the Avast uh, take private um, acquisition by Norton LifeLock. So those two companies, um, well over six, seven billion of sterling of, of um, market cap coming off the tech sector, which is, which is obviously bad news at a macro level. Um, but the outlook feels like for the IPOs that it's set fair, certainly for the next few months and into early next year. After that, we'll see what happens. I refer you back to my comments on inflation. So that's, uh, that's a quick look at what's been happening in the capital markets. In the next section, I'll talk through what has been happening and the key themes and trends and data in private equity. So turning then to focus in a little bit more detail on what's been going on in the world of private equity during September. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we recorded 11 transactions uh, in our private equity database during September, up from seven uh, in September 2020. And the balance of, uh, of, of, of transactions for software versus ICT services was quite often, as we see, slight bias towards software, seven software transactions and four ICT services transactions. When we look at the mix of transactions uh, during September, it was quite interesting, it's quite unusual in the sense that, um, well, unusual, we had, I would say, a normal uh, number of MBOs and secondary buyouts, four management buyouts up from four uh, last year and two secondary buyouts flat on the same number uh, last year. But actually, I want to focus this month looking at um, public to privates and carve-outs. We haven't seen, uh, we've seen some public to privates. We haven't seen much in the way of carve-outs over the last few months. Obviously, that was quite a prevalent, um, prevalent thing, particularly uh, in, the, in the immediate aftermath of the impact of the COVID pandemic, when a lot of larger corporates were examining their navels, if you like, and really trying to understand where they really added value in, in those shocking times. Um, and there was a lot of, a lot of kind of... Um, uh, carve-out type, type activity that went on um, at that period. It's calmed down a little bit now and, and, and that's why I think it's interesting to see two substantial or one very substantial carve-out and another interesting carve-out to talk about um, and I'll also talk about as I promised to a bit more about the P2P of Blue Prism. But looking at the carve-outs first, um, a biggie in the form of exit infrastructure. This is a 1.6 billion sterling transaction backed by I squared. It's a buyout, it's a, it's a carve-out from GTT at what we think is about 13 times EBITDA. And this is a really sort of hardcore telco, uh, telco infrastructure business with uh, some 18,000 kilometers of uh, undersea cables, um, substantial um, um, uh, data network and, uh, and data center uh, infrastructure. And um, those of you with longish memories will remember that, uh, or will know that the, the name of Interroot, which was a business that was a sort of mid-90s um, dot-com-ish, if you like, survivor that went on to, uh, to go through a number of substantial acquisitions um, in the middle of the last decade, most notably EasyNet and VTES in the UK in 2014 and 2015. And it was then acquired for uh, 1.9 billion by GTT in 2018. And I wouldn't say the wheels fell off, but it definitely hit some very difficult, uh, very difficult times after that acquisition and announced a while back that it was going to exit its, uh, its, its um, very asset-heavy assets. Uh, which it has now done, and it, the businesses include Interroot, KP International, and Hibernia. So, big chunky transaction in the uh, in the internet infrastructure space um, here in the UK and globally. 
Now, the second transaction in the software space I wanted just to touch on was uh, Landmark Solutions. This is a buyout, carve-out from DMGT, Daily Mail and General Trust, um, backed by InSpirit Capital, InSpirit Capital. Um, no deal value on that. We couldn't quite get the, the financials. We've got financials for the, for the Landmark Solutions group, uh, 53 million pounds of revenue and about 6 million of EBITDA, but we're not quite sure how much of the, um, the, the acquired assets make up within that. So it's a reasonably material mid-market software deal. Probably, probably the more interesting, interesting thing about it though is the, is the fact that it's in the geospatial market. This is a market that's been quite active from a corporate activity perspective over the last few months. We saw Apps Capital doing the carve-out of TerraQuest from Mears Group. Uh, we saw Maven uh, backing the MBA of Invisha, which is a services company that does a lot of work in this part of the market. And IDOX, publicly quoted IDOX, um, is actively acquiring this part of the market as well. So um, a bit of a mini bubble, not a mini bubble, a mini hotspot going on within geospatial, which is interesting. Be interesting to see what, what more transactions we see in that space over the coming months and years. Um, Promise then lastly on, on private equity to talk about Blue Prism. This is a 1.1 billion management buyout from, uh, not management buyout, public to private, uh, backed by Vista Equity Partners. It's not a done deal yet. We may yet get some, uh, some counter bidding, but it looks like it's going to go through. And Vista have said publicly now they're going to merge uh, Blue Prism with another one of their portfolio companies, Tibco, which is a previous generation technology in kind of application integration. So to my mind, it's kind of an interesting fit. I wouldn't say an obvious fit with Blue Prism, but I can get their logic there. Uh, and, and I can see how you can put those two together to create a, a sort of interesting customer, interesting customer proposition around integration and uh, robotic, uh, robotic process automation and data automation, process automation. Um, as is often the case with Vista, and particularly given that they're going to merge it with Tibco, uh, obviously Vista, uh, a Blue Prism is a loss-making business, high-growth loss-making business. I think we're going to see a pretty heavy amount of, of, of uh, restructuring going on with, uh, with, with Blue Prism post the transaction, um, which is kind of inevitable, I think. So it uh, be interesting to see what happens there. In terms of the more macro picture with Prism and what that means for the London market, um, clearly it's disappointing to lose what was such a, such a, uh, a kind of darling of the market, as I said earlier on in the show. Uh, those uh, the bears of Blue Prism will say that it really, in the last couple of years, really hadn't executed from a sales perspective against its bigger peers, such as uh, such as the very well-funded UI Path, which listed on Nasdaq earlier uh, this year and is uh, is um, is trading at a, a many times higher multiple than Blue Prism. The bulls will tell you that Blue Prism was just not understood by the market and the London market really doesn't understand uh, proper technology. That's an argument we've heard consistently over the 30 years I've been doing this. And there's clearly some truth in that. Uh, you take your pick on which side of the argument you come down on uh, as far as that's concerned. But either way, whichever way you look at it, it's disappointing for the London market. So that's a quick look at what's been happening in the world of private equity. And in the next section, I will turn my attention to what's been happening in venture and growth capital. So focusing more on uh, what's been happening in venture and growth capital, uh, as I said previously, 35 deals on our database in September, up from 32 in September last year. But the big news is really continues to be about the amount raised in those, those um, transactions. So in September, there was over 1 billion, about 1.1 billion sterling raised uh, from those transactions, up from 440 million in, the, uh, in September last year. So uh, we are seeing very continue to see very substantial increases in the average amount raised in VC transactions. And if we look at Q3 as a whole, because sometimes you get a better picture of what's going on looking at a quarter rather than a month. 
we think there are about 3.6 billion sterling raised from uh, venture capital investors in our part of the technology sector in Q3 this year. And that was three times what it was, the 1.2 billion in the, Q in the third quarter of 2020, with a roughly equal number of transactions. So um, the average amount raised has increased from about 15 million to about 45 million. So three times growth there as well. So really stunning kind of metrics continuing to go on in venture and growth capital. And, and it's not all good news in my view. And I'll talk a bit about that when I'm wrapping up this section at the end. In terms of the deal, the deal profile, we continue to see enterprise uh, software, uh, uh, um, uh, with uh, enterprise software, government healthcare software, fintech being the three main areas of investment for the venture and growth capital uh, uh, investors. Very little going on in ICT services as usual in this part of the market. And uh, just to pick out a few of the kind of key deals. Also, interestingly, security and, security and infrastructure software has not been a particularly vibrant part of uh, the market. It's, it's, it's very much a West Coast thing, isn't it? But uh, we've seen two big deals uh, um, from two darlings of that part of the market in the UK, SNCC and Matillion. To look, first of all, at SNCC, which is quite extraordinary, some of the numbers around that. Boston headquartered, but still UK domiciled SNCC, raised 220 million sterling in a Series F, reporting at 8.5 billion sterling, sorry, dollar valuation. Um, and SNCC has now raised nearly 800 million sterling, over a billion dollars in the last few years, um, since its um, Series A in March, 20, in March 2018 of 5 million sterling. So from Acorns, etc. But just to put the perspective and give you a, a sense of the valuation around that, um, the last numbers we have for, uh, for SNCC are it generated revenues of 7.5 million sterling in 2019. Now, I'm sure it's grown very rapidly since then. We're going to get the 2020 numbers, calendar 2020 numbers very soon. Um, but, uh, and its headcount is now something like 800, according to LinkedIn. So it's obviously a lot, more, a lot bigger than that now, but it's still probably doing tens of millions of, no more than tens of millions of, of revenue on reportedly an $8.5 billion uh, valuation. I'll come and talk about that a bit in a minute. Matillion also in the security and infrastructure software space. I should have mentioned Snickers in cybersecurity, um, um, uh, particularly around, uh, around um, uh, validating code. And uh, Matillion is in the uh, data migration space and raised 110 million in a Series E at a reported 1.5 sterling a million billion valuation, making it a Manchester unicorn based in Manchester. Again, 16 million of revenue for FY19, calendar 19 for Matillion. So very, very substantial uh, EV revenue multiple, although not quite as off the chart as SNCC. And then uh, the, this show would not be complete without a chunky payments uh, deal in the VC space. Huge amount of capital going into that part of the market and continues to go, in that, continues to go into that part of the market. 116 million uh, Goldman Sachs-led Series C for Form 3 in the payment space, primarily predicated on a US launch. So that's interesting as well. So quick look at a couple of the key deals and, and, and the sort of the, a reminder that the, the, the key areas of, are where most of the other deals are happening. But just to touch before I close on the valuation point, and I mentioned the, the, the rather pejorative term of overheating earlier in the show. And I really do feel that we're seeing that now in venture and growth capital. I was chatting with a, a, a good friend of mine in, who works as a seasoned pro in the venture capital market here in the UK. And he was saying he reckons valuations on average have doubled in the last 12 months. And they weren't exactly low 12 months ago. So... And, and when you think about it, that kind of stands to reason. If you've got um, the, average, um, the average amount raised per deal going up from 15 to 45 million over the last 12 months, um, 
there has to be a huge amount of inflation, uh, valuation inflation there, even though it's very hard to get precise numbers on valuations. And yes, I understand that uh, the, the, the structuring of deals within VC with downside protection for most VC investors is, 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 is a different dynamic to private equity or in, in, in the capital markets. But nevertheless, I find it quite worrying that we're seeing these kind of um, you know, seemingly, uh, uh, very, well, not seemingly, we are seeing these huge valuations for businesses, albeit growing very rapidly. Um, but I do worry that things are getting a little bit out of hand and this sort of, this game of just relative valuations, well, we paid that for the last one, so it's okay to pay that for this one, we'll pay a bit more, is, is getting a little bit out of hand. I think that can't be good in the medium to long term. I learned long ago not to call the top of any market, it's a fool's game. But I definitely feel that uh, I definitely feel that things are getting very overheated in this part of the market, and that concerns me. Okay, enough doom and gloom on venture capital. Apologies for that. Um, I'll wrap up the show as I always do next with a look at what's been happening in mergers and acquisitions. So last but definitely not least, turning our attention to what's happening in mergers and acquisitions. And as I said earlier, we registered 50 transactions on our database during September, and that was up from 33 in September 2020. And the, the, the numbers in, in September last year were still definitely being impacted by COVID. We're seeing a fairly stable uh, transaction number across month to month now, um, but it's still up year on year. The balance of transactions with software versus ICT services, I'd say, was pretty typical, with roughly two-thirds in software and one-third in ICT services. And the spread of, of activity across uh, the, the peer groups that we talk about, particularly strong in enterprise software, telecom services, as always. Um, and nothing particularly that caught my eye in terms of valuations last month either. But I just wanted to talk about a couple of the acquirers and a couple of the deals that uh, happened in September that I think are interesting. Firstly, looking at Software One, this is a two and a half billion uh, uh, revenue business uh, based in Switzerland, but uh, with uh, broad international activities in the value-added reseller and IT managed services space listed on the Swiss market in 2020. Um, they announced the acquisition of HeliCloud, a BGF-backed um, AWS services business uh, for what we think was about 50 billion. And then actually, um, Posted month end, but just actually this morning announced also announced the acquisition of LDC backed Centic for what we think is around 20 million, uh, which is an SAP with some quite good Azure skills as well. And I just think it's very interesting to have what what seems to be another um, kind of um, overseas buyer for uh, businesses of uh, this type in the UK. We saw CanCom uh, buying up a number of these businesses um, um, a couple of years ago. Obviously, that's been through its own uh, transaction recently, being uh, the UK assets being acquired by Telefonica. And we understand that those guys are looking at becoming more active again in the UK market. So things are really picking up in this in the UK kind of IT managed services market yet again with some interesting overseas buyers. So we'll interesting to, it'll be very interesting to see what Software One and indeed CanCom uh, do over the coming months and years. Also in the, uh, in the IT services space, interesting to see the acquisition of Vern Global by Digital9 Infrastructure. This is a dedicated infrastructure fund that listed on the LSE recently, um, and it's its first big deal, Vern Global, um, in, the data, in the data center space, 230 million uh, acquisition, and apparently uh, Digital9 Infrastructure are in active talks with another 400 million pounds worth of deals, and are still uh, very much out there for uh, acquiring and, and keen to acquire larger assets within fibre and infra internet infrastructure generally. So very, very interesting to see that dedicated fund. We've seen quite a, lot in, quite a lot of that in the US, less so in Europe, um, getting its first deal done and more, more to come by all accounts. 
And lastly, I promised to talk a bit about uh, the CAPE Technologies acquisition of ExpressVPN. This was by far CAPE's biggest acquisition to date, 675 million sterling. We think about 11 times 2022 EBITDA before synergies. And Cape's done extraordinarily well, really, as a public company in the last few years. Uh, the shares have more than doubled, uh, actually nearly doubled in the last year, and, uh, and it continues to, to be very active uh, M&A. We have a real concern, though, about this business, um, that its cash conversion and its accounting policies are out of step with what we think is the norm. Um, it, it also announced results during September, and it continues to generate um, less than half of its EBITDA into operating cash flow, primarily because it capitalises its sales and marketing costs, or a chunk of its sales and marketing costs and uh, this just feels weird to us so doing some very interesting acquisitions and completing acquisitions but we, we're concerned that CAPE is building on sand um, but we, with, with that kind of business model and, and the poor cash conversion um, but we will see uh, we will see but um, you know big 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 plans for that business and I'm sure we'll see them doing more acquisitions we just hope they would uh, hope they get their cash flow sorted out so that's a quick look at what's been happening in M&A another solid uh, month for though for those guys um, before I wrap up, I just wanted to mention the CEO Summit. This is our, uh, this is our, our, um, our online conference that's been running throughout 2021, looking at, uh, looking at key trends in a post-COVID world. And uh, we run a series of panel sessions in, in, uh, in eight pairs, during, sorry, four pairs, a total of eight sessions during the year. We completed uh, a recent set in September, which went very well. You can register now for, if you aren't already registered, for the last set of the year, which are in November the 16th and 17th, looking first at government and healthcare software, and secondly at cybersecurity, both services and software, looking at all the themes within cybersecurity. I will be chairing the, uh, the government and healthcare software session on the 16th. That is kindly sponsored by CIL Management Consultants. And we have uh, Russell Sloan, Digital Services Director of Kanos, uh, Sean O'Hanlon from, uh, from EMIS, Peter Tucker from the Chief Commercial Officer from NEC Software, formerly Northgate. That will be a fascinating panel session. And then the following day on the 17th of November, we've got a cybersecurity session, which is, uh, which is kindly sponsored by Results with Andrew Haig, the founder and CEO of Cyberfort, uh, Phil Higgins, the CEO of Shearwater Group, and Danny Lopez, the CEO of Glasswall. Um, and my colleague, Philip Cast will be uh, moderating that panel. Um, and so very much hope that you can join us on those. If you registered for the previous ones, you're all registry registered for these. If you haven't registered, then please go to megabyte.com and um, you will find our dedicated web platform also at Megabyte CEO Summit and you can register there. So that is it for this month. Uh, once again, thank you very much for listening. I hope that was useful and look forward to talking to you again next month. And in the meantime, keep safe.